What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Sim Podcast. This is your host, Raul Clement. Before we start, I just wanted to jump in here real quick. Wish everyone a happy holidays. I also wanted to give you guys fair warning. We had some difficulty with the audio of our guest, Josh Evans, so at times it sounds kind of rough. However, we think that it's still worth a listen. It's a great conversation. We really enjoyed talking to him and think you'll enjoy listening to it. Without further ado, I'll hand it over to Josh Smith to get this started. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-hosts, Raul and Shu. Today, we have a longtime friend of the pod, fellow Duke fans. Our buddy Josh Evans is joining us. He was at the game last night, um, unfortunately for him, but uh, Duke took an 81-70 to 70 loss at Wake Forest. One of those things that tends to happen, but we wanted to bring him on, kind of get the experience, get, get the feel of what it was like in real time, live there. Um Evans, welcome to the pod. We've given you a couple of shout outs already. Good to have you here. What was the environment like in Winston last night? I think you you went with your son. Yes, uh, it was. It was a. It's still a good experience being with your boy. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate you guys and everything you're yeah, doing. But the experience um, was different. I thought the first thing that was interesting was my son. He's eight years old. He's been to Cameron Indoor a few times. And he said, this place is a lot quieter and there wasn't really a lot of chanting going on. So from his perspective, he picked up on that. He's an eight. He picked up on that pretty quick. But I'm going to say this, Duke fans showed out. Duke was, I don't know if y'all can tell on TV, but Duke was all over that place. And so um, I know, Josh, you referenced that their coach said something about that afterwards. But he I did, thought that yeah. was noticeable. Yeah, he was saying, and not like a jab, really, but he was just kind of saying that, like, we got to get those guys upstairs. There's too much blue yeah. in the lower bowl. They need to sit up top. Um, and I think that's kind of typical, really. I think the last time I've seen that place, like, really crazy was probably, what, the the Dino years, the Guadio years or whatever, mm-hmm. when they were, like, really good with Teague and those guys. So, like, yeah, they were number one in the country. Seven to, like, oh, or 08 to, like, 2011, somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but overall, I mean, it was still a good experience. I mean, obviously, the game didn't end the way that we wanted it to end, a little sluggish. But, um, but in terms of the experience, it was good. The place was packed, and I would say at least forty percent seemed like Duke fans. I mean, at least from where I was sitting. Nice. So there nice. were no, you didn't get any jabs at you because I assume you were wearing Duke gear. Well, there was a lot of Duke fans around me. In fact, I mean, I was chatting with the guys um, in front of me, and um, they were Duke fans. And then the people next to me were Duke fans. There was a lot of Wake fans right behind me, but they were jumping at the refs a few times, but nothing crazy. Nobody said a word to me. In fact, the only people that said something to me was people after the game that I knew, and they were Tar Heel fans, and they mm-hmm. were just there to watch the game. They got tickets, and so they were the ones that jabbed at me, but there wasn't anything major. Yeah, how miserable is that, right? Not even your team <laughs> playing and you're gone, but whatever. Um, well, yeah. you know, it obviously it wasn't the result that we wanted. We talked about it in our preview. Um, I think most of us picked Duke to win, but Raul actually picked us to lose, and I was kind of like on the fence there a little bit. Didn't really expect to lose like this. I think, you know, that's we're going to talk about kind of what went wrong, um, but I'll just jump right into the defense because that's been the thing that's carried with us for the all season. We turn around and let Wake score 80. First time that's happened to us all year. We played really good teams that haven't been able to do that. Um, what were what did you see watching it just defensively? Was it an effort thing? Was it schematic to you? Combination of both? What was going on out there? Um, I definitely think a combination of both. Um, first, I thought uh, that one kid from Wake, uh, Cameron. I can't remember mm-hmm. his last name, but Hildreth, yeah. yeah. He he controlled he controlled so much by backing our guards down, and it's like we never adjusted to that. Like, and so that was just frustrating. Uh, just watching him back, whether it be Proctor, uh, Roach, 
Uh, Grandison, I think, was on him for a couple possessions, uh, probably due to switching. But, um, yeah, that was frustrating. So I think that was more of a schematic approach. I was frustrated. He did that about the whole game. And so it was frustrating. But I also think, you know, from a defensive perspective, I don't know the stats on this, but I think Dan some of what they got down I don't necessarily believe would have happened with Lively, like those three lobs that they had. I really feel Lively. I mean, you can't contest with a lob. He just can't. And so I feel like Lively would have altered that and deflected some of those. So I think some of those moments, which are what got the crowd going, I think those probably wouldn't have happened. Uh, Lively's also faster. Um, so I feel like that could have played a part. But um, I thought Flip and Young really struggled down there defensively, and our guards just gave them open look after open look. I don't know if you guys saw that, but. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, it looked the same on TV to me. I mean, to me, it was our point of attack defense was really, really bad. We could not stop the ball at all, which. It was almost like watching a Duke team from just like a couple of years ago that we're kind of used to seeing where like the point of attack just breaks and then it's just complete scramble mode and they're getting like whatever look they want. Um, yeah, I mean, Appleby and Hildreth were both getting in the lane at will, I thought. Um, Appleby for sure. And then Appleby the didn't same. have a good shooting game, but he did have eight assists and he was just getting in there. He got the free throw line 14 times. Yeah, yeah. And, and using the same move like Josh handed on Hilder's backing us down at like the second coming of Mark Jackson. Um, you know, Gary Trent was probably licking his chops watching that. Like, <laughs> it could have been my yeah. spot. Yeah, more post ops. Uh, yeah, but I think uh, at least Proctor, at least one time, actually sat on the pivot and didn't bite on the pump fix and blocked Hildreth. That was like the one shining defensive spot from that. Um, yeah, we were making them look like Kevin McHale with how we're biting on those pump fakes. They had so many up and unders, yep. so many pivot moves. Yeah, it's yep. literally like you could go to the Dowd wide down here and watch guys do that all day, and these guys never picked up on it. You know, we just let them do it. Yeah, and I don't know what I know. Roach had the toe thing, so I don't know if it's just like limited mobility or just kind of putting pressure on it laterally. Obviously, he's not kind of known as being a defensive stopper he's been fine on that end at times um but then you throw in some especially when the guards are making you work like appleby was just really coming at him hard full head of steam uh you know credit to wake but i, I didn't think we adjusted that well to it which was kind of concerning um again we're missing two guys so i, I guess we can talk about that a little bit yeah i wanted to kind of hit on what josh said too with lively being out at Obviously, I don't think they get, and they they would got the lobs, but it would have been harder for them to get to get those lobs, and, and also those some of those little mid range shots that Hildreth and Appleby both took from you know ten feet in the lane. If you got Lively standing there deterring those, you know, does it change the outcome? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I would have liked to have seen Reeves been thrown in for a couple minutes here or there. I thought, and and I know we've talked about it off air. Young playing thirty five minutes is probably. 10 or 15 too many um, mm -hmm. from what I'd like to see. Uh, and that's no, you know, diss on, on Ryan Young. He's been great. But last night, Wake took him out of what he does best for us, which is offensive rebound. And they just didn't, they weren't going to let him kill us that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. That's the other and, thing we should talk about probably. Um, the rebounding. We got badly out rebounded, which hasn't happened so far this year. And it's been a strength. So yeah, I was going to ask Evans like, what do you see in that regard? Were they just outworking us? I do think it was an effort issue, which John referenced in the presser along with Ryan Young. Both of them referenced the effort wasn't there. Um, I felt like the first five minutes, I would be interested to know how many offensive rebounds they had in the first few minutes. Because, I mean, I was sitting there like, what is happening early? Like, we couldn't grab. Yeah, so it was wild early. But... um I do think some of that, and like Shu said, no diss to Ryan, but you know that's probably even though he's been a great rebounder this year, I think Lively could have affected some of that. I think he could have grabbed some of those that just bounced higher than Ryan could get and stuff, from my perspective. But um, yeah, I also felt. Well, 
and some of this is freshmen, you know, you got to come ready to play. And I think some of our freshmen getting off the bus almost seemed like they were already on Christmas break from a rebounding and effort standpoint. And, um, and so, yeah, so I think some of it was effort and just kind of hustling towards the ball. I mean, can't remember if it was the second half, but didn't Cameron shoot a three in the second half and get his own rebound? I mean, nobody was even close to it. Like that's an effort issue. And so I think that was some of it. And so, I mean, I don't think like being as good as we've been all season, I don't think one game makes us a bad rebounding team. I think we've got to get back to who we were because it's been a huge strength for us all the way up to this point. We just had one game where it just, I don't think we showed up on that end. Yeah, that's a great point too. And I don't want to become the young apologist here, but I, I've kind of been a little hard on him. But I thought he was great last night, really. And and I say that from a guy, it's really, really hard to go and almost double your minute output, right? In a game like that, especially on the road in a conference game. He plays about like 20 minutes is what he averages to play 35. He finishes with 10, nine, three assists, led the team in that. Well, Blake's had three assists as well. He's limited in what he can do, but like you said, I think lively, if nothing else, gets him back to that 20 to 22 minute per game, right? That way he can be way more active, that the energy levels are higher. I, let's talk about Filipowski for a minute, because I think that's where like the brunt of my kind of like ire is right now. He's kind of been in a little bit of a slump. He really just hasn't shot the ball well all year, really. I mean, for his side, you have a big guy, seven footer. 41% from the field isn't really what you would expect from that. I think he's shooting under 30 from three right now as well. Um, tough, tough night for Flip. You know, he has five turnovers, four fouls, 0 for 6 from three, only six rebounds. What did you see from Philip? Chris, for me, it was almost like just, just a mental thing. You know, he just wasn't checked out. The dribbling off his feet a couple of times, getting kind of lost, trying to be a guard out there. What, what, what did you see, Evans, watching it in real time? Am I being too hard on Kyle here? I, I don't think you're being too hard on him. I do think he's a freshman. And, and sometimes freshmen do have these walls that happen. And over the last few games, I think we might have seen some of that. I don't know. This is just my perspective on it. But to some degree, I think Lively helps Flip in some ways. And maybe even, you know, makes him better in some regard. And, um, and I think Flip went into the game last night a little lackadaisical, a little lazy and things like that. And I think, like, he knew that at the same time he might have had that lazy personality. At the same time, he knew, like, we don't have Lively, we don't have Whitehead, I have to score the basketball tonight. And so he shot a lot. And, I mean, yeah, his percentages were were not good last night, but I still see him trending in an okay. I mean, he's been rough the last few games, but I'm, I'm not too been out of shape on Flip, to be honest with you, because he's been fairly good up until the last few games. And uh, I think the more Whitehead gets inserted, because I think he's still an X factor for us moving forward, I think that's going to make Flip even better when some of this offensive load is taken off of him. Because at the end of the year, I don't think any of us thought he would lead the team in scoring. Well, because we've struggled offensively, he's had to up to this point. And I think that was some pressure going into last night with Whitehead and Mitchell and some of these guys can do what they're capable of doing. Flip could be who we all expect him to be, and which is fine. So that's my perspective on him. Yeah. I mean, I, it, to me, it's almost kind of like the, the less is more applies to him, right? Like he's being asked to do a little bit too much too early in his, in his collegiate career. And I think if we could get him in a little bit of a lesser role, he would blossom. Like I think his numbers would look really well if he didn't have to quite do that much. And that's probably just a factor of having those two guys injured all summer, right? Having those two guys. And so he develops that. And now it's really difficult, I think, to reintegrate. You're reintegrating two guys, but you're also asking other guys to kind of take a little bit off. And for Grandison and Ryan Young, I think that's an easy sell. They're old guys. They're vets. They know what their role is. For Frost, they're trying to make it happen, right? All these guys have dreams, aspirations. They want to win. They want to play well. It's tough. It's tough. Um, well, let, let's talk about the other Frost here. So Tyrese Proctor. Um, I'm a huge Proctor guy, right? Like he's my favorite prospect on the team. Like he's my favorite player on the team in terms of like future, like what he could be. Um, 
I hate to say this, but I just don't think we're using him right. Um, you know, we, we're almost kind of trying to make him like our three-point specialist, right? Like he's shooting, like he shot five threes last night. He shoots, he's been shooting a lot of threes lately. He's shooting 23% from three. You know, that's probably not the recipe that we want. And we've seen to like involve him in less and less like ball action stuff and the times that we did last night he had a great wraparound pass to blakes for that that three that kind of brought us back a little bit um i don't know to me i I would like to see the roles of proctor and roach reversed if we're going to have one of our guards kind of like hunt threes and be this the knockdown three-point shooter roach seems a little bit more qualified to do that to me and it's just not working right now um, Proctor's still shooting 89% from the free throw line. So the shooting suggests it's there, but we're not getting him to the line. We're not really getting him involved in ways that could get him there. So I'll just toss this out to you all. She hadn't heard from you recently. So I'll go to you first. Is it, is it the adjustment to college adjustment to Duke adjustment just for him coming in? So wait, or do you think it's more kind of schematic with Proctor here? I mean, typically when you get a guy reclass and come a year early, that's not, especially like a, an RJ or a Bagley, you know, some, some guy like that. It's going to take them some time to, to figure out. I think we talked with Andre about it on the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, like coming a year early and adjusting on the flip side, you know, Tyrese plays for the Australian national team, like some serious minutes for those guys. They don't just give that to, 18-year-olds who aren't ready, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's played against grown men and in fast-paced uh, games and and had to make these reads. So it's hard to say that it's a, it's a learning curve for him because I think he's probably already played against this kind of level of competition. Uh, maybe not quite this level in, in that uh, whatever that the, academy, the NBA academy that he was at, but... Um, I mean, like you guys have been saying, he's a point guard. He really knows how to set people up and and find open shooters, especially, you know, coming off the dribble, finding that guy in the corner or whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, I think we just need to to get him comfortable doing that. Bro? Yeah, to me, it's just struggling with playing off the ball and on the ball and moving back and forth and mostly being off the ball. Um, and like you said, we're not we don't seem to be running as many high ball screens for him. And when you look at the way that uh, Australian basketball tends to be played, the ball screen is a heavy component. And, you know, he was the point guard there. So I think he's just used to being on the ball and making something happen that way. You know, I can't really explain the catch and shoots because the the form is fine, but, you know, I think it does tie into being off the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Evans, anything to add to that or? Yeah, I, I'm with Ryan on this. Um, I think that high ball screen, we've seen glimpses of it already this season. There's been a few of those that I'm just like, yes, yes, more of that. And I think that's where Proctor is going to excel. Um, I also think we got to surround him. He was incredible with the one-handed pass to the corner. And I think if you can surround him with a few shooters, like I'd love to see him play a little bit more with Grandison and guys like that who can knock down shots. Um, and just kind of spread that floor spacing-wise to where Lively sets a screen up top. But we have some shooters that are around him that'll make him look good. And then if he can get to the basket, I think he's a a good finisher. I think he's underrated in that regard. And, and so I'm a big Proctor fan too. Um, I know he hasn't looked as good as what we might think he may be. I think he projects as an NBA guy. I mean, I just think he has that frame. And so um, we got to utilize him in a different way. And then going to your point about Jeremy being a shooter. Jeremy needs to own that role. I feel like he catches the ball a lot of times and dribbles right away. Like, so if we're gonna, we need to kind of consider if he needs to fill into that role, they need to tell him, hey, you need to look for your shot instead of looking to dribble, which is going to be an adjustment period for him. But no, I think that's my – I am all for Proctor in the pick and roll. I think that's what we got to do, and that how ball screen is where, where it's at. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be – you know, because at the beginning of the season – Shire talked a lot about like we really want to use these guys in ball screen and we have I'm not trying to we've used the ball screen way more than we have in in other years 
Um, but it still just feels like we could use it more. You know, like we need to create a little more of that spacing about when was that? A couple pods back, we talked about it. Um, it was before the Maryland Eastern Shore game, but it was in that like Ohio State to Iowa stretch mm-hmm. where we had started just the way we were loading sides of the floor, the way we were using screen actions, like our offense had really started to click. And then we had the layoff, we had finals, and we had these breaks, and it's kind of went and sputtered again a little bit. Um, you know, we still we still scored last night, but it just I think we need more Proctor initiating initiating offense, creating offense for these guys. Um, Mitchell's not really a guy that's going to create a whole lot, you know. Um, Flip wants to, and he can in certain spaces, but again, I think we're just asking him to do a little bit too much right now. I, I think Proctor's the guy. I mean, he only plays 24 minutes last night, um, six points, you know, three rebounds, one assist. I'd like to see those assist numbers get up. He seems to be the type of guy, like he could do what Appleby was doing. Why not? Right. Well, like he can get in the lane and dish it off. Shoot, John. Also, just wanted to keep in mind, I mean, the, you know, the Maryland Eastern Shore game, and granted, it's a small sample size. It's only one game, but we didn't have Jeremy. Um, Proctor exclusively ran point and we didn't look very good in that game. Um, matter of fact, we looked relative to the competition probably worse than we did last night. So. Yeah. There is that. Yeah, I'll add one more thing to the Proctor. And I don't know how you fix this without considering a smaller lineup. He needs spacing. And then I also would love to see him in the open floor more. And I don't know. He seems like a really good fast break guy, wants to speed up the game. And um, I think more of your larger lineups, that's going to be a, a little bit more of a struggle to get Ryan Young to do that and stuff. And and well, no diss to him. I just think that you got to put Proctor in a position. And Proctor, I just think, raises our ceiling if you put him in a position to, to do what he is really good at. Yeah, we've talked about that before, actually. Um, we've got this weird dichotomy on the team of Roach, Young and Filipowski all seem to want to play slow. And then guys like Proctor and uh, Whitehead w- and Lively would all really benefit from playing faster. So it's just a weird team construction where we've kind of defaulted towards playing slow because Roach is the point guard. And so he's kind of running the tempo for us. But if we could find, you know, different looks, you know, we've talked about liking when Blakes comes in because he pushes the pace for that reason. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's, I know that we've been pretty negative so far. So we'll pivot and talk a little bit about some bright spots. But I think for me, and we've talked all about this offline before too, what makes all of these so frustrating to me is there's just, and maybe this different now with NIL and some of these guys, but there's just no hope really going forward. And that sounds pretty dark, right? But we just know that we have a six month window. You know, and it's like, I want to give Proctor the 1990 Bobby Hurley treatment and just let him grow, you know, try to rein him in, try to get him that experience. Cause then, you know, like I got this guy coming back, right? Like I'm, I'm going to get him back. I need to get him going now. This year is really just about that. We can't do that. You know, the, maybe Proctor will come back and maybe he won't, but it just seems like there's none of that, right? Like when you see Flip go four for 14 and turn the ball over, it's more frustrating because you just don't expect him to come back that starts to weigh i think on a fan base when there's just so much of that that every single loss just seems to be we're just riding these waves every year right and then it's like you get the big recruits to come in the next year and you start to kind of ride high again and then when it hits like this and you hit the wall it almost feels super deflating because there's no real growth it, you, know? you can't it's look tough. at it and be like oh, it's a learning thing because mm-hmm. they're not coming back to learn from this mistake right right you know? right and i think it's really kind of been amplified when it's so many guys that are going right like the paolo should go the tatum should go the Kyrie should go but then you have all of the other guys that would typically be your development they're going too. that's tough and that's it's really tough amplified when you don't have a Palo or you don't have a Zion. Right. And they're going anyway. <laughs> yeah. So right now we've got a team full of DJ Stewart's and Trevor Keels. Yep. 
Yeah, I agree. That's it's going to be an interesting off season, which I don't want to get too far ahead because, like, there's still a lot of this season to be played. But for sure, I do think off season is going to be interesting because we don't have any that are projecting top ten in the draft pick, which is unusual for all of us. Whatever is, we know Powers going because he's the number one pick, right? This year, I mean, we got a bunch of guys who are looking at late first round. Early second, some late second, and that's kind of the extent. I mean, Whitehead probably, assuming he continues to integrate, I still think he's going to be projected high just because of potential, but we don't have a guarantee. I mean, we don't have a number one pick on this team, so it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Josh. It is kind of hard because you're like, okay, we get, I think that's the pressure we put on these freshmen because they got to perform quick because we only have them for a short amount of time. Yeah, it's tough. And it's, you know, I watch a lot of pro sports anyway. Like, really, Duke basketball is my only kind of collegiate, you know, like, draw. Um, and so part of watching pro sports is you do get that, right? Like, you get to watch the Von Grissom in Atlanta. You get to watch the Ronald Acuna Jr., that development. You're cool with that kind of rebuild because you, you see what's coming, right? The NBA is phenomenal for that. You can watch the magic right now and it's fine that you're losing because you just see and you know that they're there right you know they're coming back you you can see a vision and for us it's just really difficult now it was difficult before you only had four years anyway but now it just seems like everything is so like not to use the word amplified again but just the moments are so much bigger just because they're so finite and you know it's no one's going to feel bad for Duke fans. I, I get it. It's just the nature of the beast. But maybe it does trend to where it's like, well, if we're trying to to do this on a six-month scale, maybe we do look at that portal a little bit more, right? Like, uh, you know, Forbes was able to go out and get two dynamite guards. Like, he went out in back-to-back years and got two guards that are probably better than any guard we've had in like seven years, six years, <laughs> right? And he got them in back-to-back years. No, so that was- that's an issue. Go Don't ahead. disrespect Trey Jones now. That fair, fair. Trey, Trey, Trey's legit. Trey's elite. Um, but outside of that, it's. I mean, yeah, way it's there. tough, right? And like we're we're Duke. I hate to be. That's kind of cocky to say that we should be able to go out and get that guy, right? If we need a dynamic point guard or a dynamic guard, we should be able to go and just get who we want. Um, I don't. Well, know. I I'll add one thing to that um, with the transfer. I mean, I think it's. It's been said, you know, the CBS sports guys, Parrish and Norlander, you know, Parrish even said, he said this a couple of times in the last several months on his pod that he's finding and he covers all of college basketball. He's saying that the best way now in the modern era to build your team is recruit a bunch of top 10 picks, get as many as you can or or top 10 rated recruits or whatever, and, and then fill the rest of your roster with transfers because you're not going to get the guys. And that's the fear we have, even as Duke fans, is Jalen Blake's going to return? Uh, you know, is he going to transfer with the portal? It's like guys like that. It's like, you know, those guys, project players that we always fill the roster with. He's saying, go to the portal and get those. And I do think John, I really believe in John Shire. I think for, he's a forward thinker guy. This is his first year. So I think he's figuring some things out. I think we're putting some things in place to get some NIL deals um, for us in the future. I think that transfer portal should look different over the next couple of years at Duke. I know we missed on some this offseason, um, but I think we will be able to go out. I think that just, but that's kind of how a lot of these guys are building their teams in a lot of ways. Look at Miami right now. I mean, Miami is leading the ACC that transfers and look what Texas tech did last year, right? They had like seven guys and, you know, went to the sweet 16, played us really, really tough. I mean, had a number historically good defense. It's, it's something that I think maybe we should consider looking there, looking more to the portal for talent and Wes at it for just bodies, you know, like, well, let's look at it for the talent that it is. And I think Shire's going to do that. I think I completely agree with what you said. Um, this is his first year. He had to put a team together quickly. You know, I really love the class that he's got coming in next year, but now it's about like, let's not, it can't always be about the class coming in next year, right? We got to get some continuity. We got to get some experience, whether that's manufactured or developed, however we can do it, because you're right. Now we're sitting here thinking, well, does Blake's come back? Does he come back to be off the bench again? Like, what is that going to look like? 
and around and around we go. But yeah, well, that um, revolving door is the bed we've made. We've just got it to, is, we've got to somehow, you know, yep. tighten there's, that. There's up no good fix to it, right? Because if you're going to fix it, then you have to commit to like a rebuild, which is going to be a couple years because you're either going to go way less ranked like less touted players to start to get them as juniors and seniors, or you're going to have to go to the port. It's going to take a little yeah, while. Yeah. And then I'm not to, suggesting to get that. that we don't go after the top recruits anymore or anything like that. We just don't go after six guys that we think, you know, only one are going to stick around next year. Right. And this is all hyperbole too, right? We're reacting to one game at wake in the middle of a Christmas break. <laughs> so you know. I mean, in a way we did do what Evans was saying. Parrish suggested there. It's just that, the top 10 players we happen to get this year aren't that good. And then the other thing is that the portal players we got are role players. So maybe we need to look more towards those star portal players. Yeah. You know, for sure. I know not all of them, they don't always pan out. Like um, a lot of the people that were most hyped in the portal this year have kind of had mediocre seasons. Like if you look at uh, Baylor Shireman stats, nothing to write home about, but I think taking more swings at those kind of highly coveted portal players might be the way to go. Yep. You know, I, I, we that. discussed this with uh, John Watson and Steve Clark, and they said there was some hesitancy because of the kind of impact on culture of getting hired guns. But what are these one and done freshmen, if not that? I don't see the difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't I think agree. there is. Uh, yeah. I, I see. And, and I think you make a great point too, because in typical years, you know, what are the odds that the number of like what one and two or one and three ranked recruits are giving us what they're giving us right now, which is not a whole Normally lot, you yeah. might have one not pan out like in right. the Zion year, right? Uh, Cam Reddish doesn't pan out. However, right. RJ and Zion do. Yep. This year, we literally had three guys in the top. Were they one, two, and three? Or they were like uh, right up there. One, two, four. Maybe? Right, one, two, four I yeah. think Flip might have been like seven, but whatever. I, well, I guess it depends ESPN on what. ESPN is so different. Yeah, from yeah, where yeah, you yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's just it, one of those guys. Well, we only good. look at two, four, seven, right, guys? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice plug. Nice plug. Um, well, they do but, the composite, so it really, to me, is the most accurate. But uh, yep. yeah, so if if just one of those guys had panned out like a top five recruit, we'd probably be fine. Yep. Yeah. I and mean, what does that even look like, right? Like if Dorit's giving us 16, 5, and 2, or if Lively's giving us... 13, 10, and four or three or whatever, right? Like, what does that look like? Um, we haven't seen that yet. And, you know, we're getting close to the new year. So hopefully that's another bad thing about last night is we lose really quality reps for those guys. And of any two players that were missing last night, like it, we lost anyway. So I'd much rather those guys have been the one that would play to start to get a little bit of that confidence back. But um Let's talk about our one bright spot. We we hit on him a little bit, but Jalen Blake's like love that guy. Tyrese is my favorite like prospect. Jalen's got to be my favorite player on the team. Like, yeah. dude comes in just tremendous amount of energy. Played his ass off last night. Like, and he played really well too. So that obviously helps. But like, he comes in, he plays what twenty six minutes. I mean, he misses one shot the entire night. Like, I think he was our leading score. Yep, leading score. Um, three steals, three assists, three for four from three. He wanted it, you know, like, and you could, could tell, you could see yeah, him like, yeah, he was fired up. You he could was see pumped it in, yeah. up. Like oh, if yeah. I could, if I could put him in like three inch heels and clone him four times, I would start five Jalen Blakes <laughs> yep. straight up. Yep. That would be my team. Yep. Yeah. You, I think you saw during the, the run we made to cut it to maybe seven, um, where we hit a bunch of threes in a row. I, I believe Blake's hit two of those. And after one of them, after the second one, he was really pumped up. Yeah. From opposite wings, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had um, Jalen brought a bright spot to the crowd as well. But it was interesting because I think every Duke fan that really pays attention to it, he's an unlikely hero, right? Now that we didn't win, so, but he was the bright spot. Those guys around me were just like, what is happening right now? But I will say this, from the moment he stepped on the floor, like Josh referenced, he wanted the win. I mean, he wanted the game. He was the one that played the hardest. Um, he played, you know, physical. Um, he was talking. I think he got upset with a ref one time. I mean, oh, you yeah. can tell he was mentally like, 
he was fired up and he showed up. And the only thing that I would say, I think he needs to be rewarded with that. You know, I mean, I, I want John to step in and reward that because, I mean, listen, I'm a big Jeremy Roach guy. I've been all over his back. I mean, I'm for Jeremy Roach, but like, I wouldn't mind John pulling out an old Coach K move. Like, I'd start Jalen Blake's next game. And just because to send a message, if nothing else, I'm not suggesting that he's one of the best talents to start, but I think heart is probably an effort that we need at times. And he had it. And here's one thing I will say about his actual game. There was a couple of times when he got hot, hit those threes. He wasn't missing anything. He um, he started driving a tad, getting a little quick, and somebody leaned over to me and they said, he hit some shots. He's going to now try to do too much. I thought he played smart after he hit those shots. He yeah. didn't force it. He didn't t- try to go and do way too much, some crazy stuff. He really played within himself, and I was I can't say enough good things about him his heart and um yeah he, he was all over the place last night yeah and the stats are just like he had like a statistical like analytics dream last night so let, let me just just shout to jalen blakes right here right quick so his true shooting over a thousand his box plus minus 28.3 next closest on the team is 9.7 crushed it for reference flip is negative 17 roach is <laughs> negative four he has the highest offensive rating by a mile highest best defensive rating by a mile last night doing it on both ends i mean just shouts to Jalen blakes right i mean he, fa- he yeah. ended up fouling out but dude get, i mean that's that's the guy that we want right there well, like to, shouts to him to piggyback on what evan said you know watching it from my tv i thought he was the only one that got off the bus um the yep. entire night mark played um okay he had some some defensive lapses where I just don't yeah. even know if he knew what he was doing. One of the lobs was in yeah. transition when he turned the ball just, over and they completely missed where the yeah. ball was. Yeah, I think he ran out to the three-point line while the guy was running into the bat. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, you know, shouts to Jalen for for being the only one to to come prepared. Um, I, I'm with you, Evans. I think, yeah, a guy like that should be rewarded. Um, does he make the team better? Overall, like we've talked about, when he comes in, the effort ratchets up and the the speed of the game picks up. Um, I just thought he was he was all over the place doing whatever he, what he should be doing, and I would like to see uh, more Blakes for sure going forward. Yeah, and, just and I like he's... him off the bench to do that too, right? Like that's what we needed is for everyone else to look at him and be like, oh yeah, it's time to man up. <laughs> but they didn't. Ro, we'll go ahead. I cut you. Oh, I was going to say just because you start him the next game doesn't mean you have to play him 35 minutes. Right. Um, it can be a kind of symbolic gesture. And it right. also doesn't mean you have to do something extreme like bench Roach. You just sure. play three guards and two bigs or something. Um, yeah. Just to sh- send a message like, if you play hard, you will be rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my point. I, I'm definitely not suggesting that he needs to be at 35 minutes a game. I just think you come off and you're the only guy who shows up in, an, in your first road game. I think, like, man, I mean, we're going to be at Cameron against Florida State. I think the fans would appreciate him, too. And uh, I think I think it would be a good thing, and um, he deserves it. Um, and it will send a message to some of these guys that, hey, this is what we expect. This is what the ACC looks like. we got to step up and do it. So Yeah, and I talked about Proctor being kind of like the 90 Bobby Hurley. Well, also, like, the way things might pan out, like this might be our starting point guard next year. And I'm kind of for it if we can give him enough kind of like stage presence to get to that point. Um, big fan of Jalen Blake. So uh, well, let's talk about kind of a global take here and then we'll, we'll get out of here. So now that moves us to one and one in the ACC. Obviously, we beat uh, Boston College kind of a couple weeks back. Um, I really don't think, obviously, we just sit here and I hammer the team for about 30 minutes, but I don't think it's a ton, a, a huge, huge deal. It, it's a not a great loss, um, but at the same time, it's still the ones coming up are the ones that we got to circle as can't lose, right? Florida State at home, absolutely cannot lose that. Boston College on the road, Georgia Tech on the road. Um, I don't even think we need to talk about what losing to Louisville would do. So those are the four. Um, I think this is right there in a very tough spot for guys. It's off the layover. They're about to try to go home or see their families or have some downtime. 
Um, I, I don't take much away from that in terms of the overall look at the team. However, when we're looking at resume, we talked last week a little bit about what do we need to do to be a top three seed. We're in a little bit of a transitional period, right? Like if to, to quote a little Pulp Fiction on you there. So it's time to play. It's time to regroup from this and hopefully get a little bit of practice and, and really play strong against Florida State because right after that, we're going to turn around and go to Raleigh and we all know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so where where do you see the thing? Nevin, since you're, you're joining us today, I'll throw it to you first. Globally right now for Duke, where do you see us kind of playing at? How does this play out for us in the ACC? You're still pretty high on Duke to finish top two, top three. Where where you fall? Um, I'm not like on the cliff or anything. So I feel like we'll be all right. Um, the only thing that concerns me about last night is how early the, the loss is. Um, I, I have a hard time knowing or projecting how we're going to do against the top of the ACC. And if, if I had seen us beat Kansas or beat Purdue, um, I would probably feel a little bit more confident in our chances against Virginia, our chances against Miami, um, and, and even Virginia Tech. Um, but I just don't know what to expect. And so I think that's why I lost like last night's stings in some ways, because it's like, man, if I, if I have more confidence in us beating those teams, I'd feel good. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it's a quad two loss. We were missing two players, um, the key players too. Um, and it was our first true road game. John's real first road game of the, of this year is official as, as official head coach. I told some guys that today, I mean, listen, I got a smile on my face. I'm not too worried. So where I think we project, I think we're still top three. I don't see this Duke team. We've proven that we can contend with the with better teams. And I don't think we have a top five ACC team. So I don't think we have a Purdue in our conference. In other words, um, I might be wrong on that, but I don't know. I think we have, you know, more of your Ohio States and more of your Iowa's and more yeah. of your – it's proven that we can beat that. And so, yeah. um, so I don't know how it projects with us in the NCAA tournament, but I think a top three finish is good. I really don't want to lose that state because that could put us, assuming we beat Florida State and we have to, that puts us at two and two at that point. And with a lot of hard games, you know, coming up, I think we got Miami, Virginia Tech back to back, one of them yep. on the road at some point. Yep. And so you've got to just keep that in mind. And so I would love to win that state game so that we can go to a tougher stretch. Um, with a better record. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not worried at all. I think top three is very realistic um, at this point. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Um, I think right now it's, you know, who even is the best team in the ACC, right? Like we just saw Boston College beat Virginia Tech tonight, which is a really bad loss for them. Um, we saw Miami, they held on to beat UVA, but they were handling those dudes for a long time. Um, Miami looks really good, actually. But yeah, so who are those teams? You're right. We don't really seem to have that Purdue. We don't really seem to have, you know, an elite, elite team here, um, which kind of bodes well for us on the back end, though. There's not enough quality wins either, right? So every loss seems to just pull us down, pull us down. Um, But if we can go to Raleigh and get a win, that'd be huge. One thing I wanted to point out is that as of now, Wake Forest is a quad two loss, but I believe they were around 100 in the net before they played us. This should bump them up a little bit. So there's a chance they can get into the top 75. And then if it's a quad one loss, it doesn't look bad at all. So we got to root for Wake to win some games, basically. Yeah. And they yeah. have Virginia Tech coming up. So I think, I don't know how much, how, what they were when we played them, but I'm pretty sure I saw today they're 85th. Okay. Yeah, so getting close, right yeah. now. Yeah. 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 And their next two games are Virginia Tech and then at North Carolina. If they can win one of those, yeah. that gets them there. I guess I'm there. I guess the one thing, and we didn't talk about it earlier, that that I guess made it a bad loss for me because let's be honest, we we've lost to worse Wake teams with better Duke teams in in Wake at Wake Forest plenty of mm-hmm. times, right? Like it's just been a tough place to play. Um, but the thing that that bothered me, we Wake just got blasted by Rutgers on Saturday, right? I think it was like a thirty point loss. Um, they should have lost to App State. App State kind of bungled that one uh, inbounds pass there at the end. So 
those factors, I guess. And maybe that made Wake hungrier to come out and, and, and beat us and get Steve Forbes first, first ever ranked win. But just the, the lack of effort and really just, it seemed like we were disinterested for a lot of the game, I guess. Um, that's what, that's what eats me up the most about it. Um, so yeah, going forward, I mean, 15 and five was my original prediction. And I, and I kind of circled the at wake and at Q's games as one of those we're probably going to drop. Now that we dropped this one, I hope we don't drop the one at Q's as well. So, um, just losing that made Kim Pom go from 15 and five prediction to 13 and seven. I'd like to point out that was my original. Yeah. 13 and seven. So that's going to be, and that's probably about. Right, I guess, but I, I still think that the conference isn't quite good enough to where we should really be dropping seven games. But you know, I, I guess we'll see. Um, you know, I, I will say though that, like, and I even told Evans this yesterday before he went. I was like, you know, I hope you don't witness a loss just because you're there in person. But I would totally trade a loss at Wake for a win at Virginia, right? Yeah. Or like some kind of vice versa for that because I just think we need the those will bump you up more than these bring you down. Um, can you um, can you call and tell my son that, Josh? Because that doesn't make him feel much better. He doesn't understand that. Yeah, yeah, he's still in. The, yeah, I remember those days too, oh, just living and dying with every win and loss. I, I would, I would, I would literally cry. Like I would yeah. literally cry. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Like I was like in a depression state for like three days sometimes. Right? Yeah, dreading would, going to school and all of that. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say my mom might might not make me go to school. Fear that I would get in a fight with somebody. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Um, I think what bothered me was just that after the first 15 minutes or so, we weren't really competitive. Yeah. Like the end of the first half and on, it was just kind of over. Yeah. Like, yes, we kind of made a fake run in the middle of the second half, but. The they start of the second half was it for me, right? Yeah, like what that was that was the end of it. That's your moment to like come back in and say, "Hey guys, regroup, get the energy, let's go." And we come in and they just they extend the lead immediately. Yeah, there, there's one play that it just did it all for me, and I don't, I think it was in the first half, but I think Ryan Young gets like a long rebound, and it's almost like he's starting to break. Well, it's Ryan Young; you don't want him dribbling the ball all the way up the court, so he he passes it to Roach. I don't know if Roach just wasn't looking at him. Or what? But hits, it hits, him in the him, back. hits him and goes out of yeah. bounds, and I'm like, okay, yeah. I guess we're yeah. just not going to be there tonight. Yeah, yeah. that was um, that was the second half, and okay. I I felt then, but I also felt too right at the beginning. I'm pretty sure the second half I, because I, I leaned over to a Duke fan and said, I think the first four minutes it, we either come out and we finally get off the bus or, or we're staying on the bus. And first four minutes, I think Proctor had a steal or some fast break, and it just didn't go well. He like oh, yeah, tried to Proctor, do a Euro, Euro or something yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You're rolling from 10 feet away. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of like, man, I just don't know if we're going to ever do this. And this says something to maybe wake um, a little bit to not being maybe as good as I, I give them credit for to some degree. But, like, here's what's wild. I don't think Duke could ever play worse than they played last night. And it was a seven, eight-point game with four minutes to go. Like, a Proctor three, yep. or a flip three, yep. in those last four minutes gone down, it put a ton of pressure, but we couldn't hit that dagger three to get us within five. And that's the thing. And so we still could have stayed. I think that the famous guy said, but as bad as we played, there's a, a three going down that we could steal this game and get out of here and we'll forget all about it. But we just never hit those dagger to get back in it. So, Well, yeah. before we get out of here, I, I did want to ask Josh about this too because I was curious. Um, did you watch John at all from this? Because, you know, that's one thing I try to do when I'm at the game, being that it's his first year. I just didn't notice him on the TV broadcast, like really being up and demonstrative about any of the calls or anything that went on was just like kind of sit back, laid back and watch us take it, you know? Yeah, I watched him some. Um, I will say where I was sitting, I was on the bottom level, but I was in kind of a corner angle across from their bench. So there, the goal, it did affect some of my view towards where the coaching staff was. But um, I watched him. He, he did get into a couple of the refs. He got into Roger twice um, that I noticed. But still, him getting into Roger, we got to understand, 
look so different than Coach K was when he would get into a ref. And so I'm not really sure the words that are being said. You know, John's such a nice guy. He comes across that way. So I'm not really sure, but he laid into the ref twice. I saw that. He did one time flip, just could not get it going. He brought him out, and um, he turned the ball over. That's what it was. I think he charged in the second half. He he brought somebody in, and he pulled him aside, put his arm around him, had a conversation with him at the scorer's table. I saw that. Um, so it was a couple moments. I mean, I, I do think John is really working on the sexes and those things, even though there's some schematic things we would change. But I think he's active. But what that looks like for him, I think his personality and attitude about Everything is just so different than what we've seen. He's not going to throw a jacket. You know what I mean? He's not going to, you know, slam hated, a chair. He told he's he just hated their effing faces last <laughs> night. Should <laughs> <laughs> well, well, have. Well, you, listen to, you listen to his press conferences even, and he's very, very calm and level-headed. Yeah. And he doesn't seem like there are certain press conferences where you could tell Kay was pissed. Oh, yeah. And John doesn't, he seems to be more supportive. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because you could tell how Kay felt always, right? You knew when he was mad, you knew when he was, I mean, he just wore it so strongly, strong face. Um, yes. So you could tell, right? It was there. It was very kind of uh, in your face. Um, but maybe this is a little bit different. You know, I think another thing, not to really kind of rehash something else, but just the um, necessity of starting two bigs is a little bit kind of frustrating last night, especially when we were missing lively. So we kind of burn both of our centers instead of kind of maybe going a little bit smaller and having young flip, just kind of share the five, uh, you know, but spilt milk and all that. Right. But I'd be interested to know when we went small, how many times, uh, Mark Mitchell drove and got fouled. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's when he drove, and I think he might not have made a lot of his shots, but he, he was way more aggressive, if I remember correctly, when they were small and the, the spacing was there. And so he got fouled, and I'm just – I keep saying this, man. We didn't talk about Mark Mitchell, but um, and I don't want to keep us on here too long, but I'll tell you this, man. If we can get that joker to the some open threes, he hits them. Even though his form might not be traditionally good, he hits open shots. And um, he hits free throws, man. Like, get him to the line. We need to get him in the aggressive attack mode because he can make some free throws. And I think that could help our team, too. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's up to like 52, 46, 80 shooting splits. I think something like that. I just looked a few minutes ago. But um, yeah, so one of our more efficient offensive players, uh, but his volume is just not high, is the issue. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Um, Evans, again, you know, we appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the support. Sorry we had to have you on after a loss, man. We'll have to get you back on here so you can talk about your heels a little bit um, <laughs> in a couple months here. You knew we weren't going to uh, let that go. Yeah, yeah jab, I, had, jab. I had to get that little, you know, little jab in there. But uh, uh. <laughs> in, in the meantime, guys, rate, review, subscribe. Email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. Follow us on the boards at thedevilsden.com. Got another 10-day break coming before FSU comes to Cameron. We have a few kind of guests on the horizon that we're trying to line up. So, you know, be on the lookout for that stuff. And, uh, you know, you know the deal. Keep the faces strong in the verb high. Go do it.